Welcome to the Minutes of Faith podcast, where we dive into Scripture and explore amazing things God is doing today. Our aim is for you to receive encouragement and God's direction for you in today's world. Here's your host and author of her latest book, Praying for America and the Army of God, Debbie Jansen. Thank you, Ken. I hope all of you are doing good out there today, and I hope you are finding God's blessings in your life. We're nearing the end of my book, Praying for America and the Army of God. Hopefully today won't be as long as some of these have been lately, but I've tried to had to cover a lot of chapters. Today we're working on day 27. Ah, hold your breath. <laughs> it's called Vote for Your Faith. The scripture comes from Acts 5.29. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. Even if the government doesn't line up with Christian values, most people will quote the many passages of scripture that direct us to obey those who have authority over us. One example is Romans 13.1.7, which some use to insist that Christians should not exercise any voice in government. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Romans 13.1 Well, that verse seems pretty clear, but I believe there's a different way to look at it. Jesus knew the pain and sorrow that would come for anyone who followed him. He knew exactly how he would suffer at the hands of the Roman Empire. He needed his disciples and some of his followers to speak out, but that would cause them to become enemies of Rome. He also knew that there would be thousands who would not have the passion or means to be on the spiritual front lines. Those people needed to submit so they could live another day to support Peter and other apostles who were loudly visible. In fact, even the apostles were encouraged to follow the law and do what they were told until it became necessary to stand boldly for God. Jesus encouraged Peter to pay the temple tax, even though Jesus agreed that it wasn't necessary. In Matthew seventeen twenty seven, he said, So that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Certainly, nowhere in the New Testament were those who followed Jesus encouraged to take up a physical sword against the government, nor are there any scriptures that insist we have the right to disobey human law. Jesus did not come to bring a physical revolution. He came to teach us how to have a spiritual revolution. I believe that we are to honor our government with respect and that we are to pray for those who are are in control. But when that government goes against our faith, we should not only pray, but we should act. We should act with respect, but also a very loud voice. 
Otherwise, if we simply just pray, like I heard one pastor say, well, we must pray for God to bless this evil leader. No, no, I pray for God to touch his heart and he and uh, have him come to salvation. But I'm not going to pray for God to bless him. And there's a reason God never in the word of God has God ever blessed evil. He's not going to do that. What we need to do is look at our life a little differently from those in the Bible. Many people in the Bible had no voice in who was put in charge. They could not elect a new leader. So yeah, sit back and pray for him, baby, because that's about all you can do. And there were times, and maybe still are times, when God puts an evil leader in charge of a country because there is punishment due for the Christians not living right. Ooh, ouch, that one hurt. So what are we supposed to do? We are different from biblical times in that we in America have a choice. We can help determine who is in power. And when you throw your vote away and you don't pay attention to how you are voting, you are hurting the work of God. We must be involved in proactive, powerful prayers. The body of Christ, the army of God, must prepare by covering America with prayers. But we should also be vocal about our opposition to sin and wrongdoing. We should stand against any action that bars us from our Christianity or takes away the Constitution of the United States, a document based on Christian principles. We have been blessed with religious freedom, and we cannot allow that to just crumble and disappear. The list of people in the Bible who had an influence over their government is long. God's people have always been encouraged to impact their world. Esther is one of my favorites. The book of Esther reads like an exciting novel. Esther was polite and respectful, yet she was aware of the evil in her government. She worked behind the scenes to set up a situation where she could reveal evil to the king. She was able to stop an assassination plot. Her plan to gain the king's trust worked and the punishment that was placed on Mordecai and her Jewish people instead was placed on evil Haman. She didn't just pray, she did something. We can't whine about evil in our government unless we are also willing to get involved and cause change. How? We can vote. Now, there are others that may want to study political science, maybe want to run for office. I encourage that. The more people we can flood into this government, the better off we are, at least when you combine that with revival throughout the country. But everybody can vote. 
Voting is the most powerful tool we have. To be lazy about your vote is to be unchristian and sinful. Whoa, sorry about that, but yeah, it is. I thank God for the faith of the founding men and women of this country. Regardless of their flaws, they worked tirelessly to give you and me a way to keep our country free and safe. By giving us the ability to vote, they have given us the means to remove evil people from office. Through our votes, we can insist that peace and Judeo-Christian moral values be returned to our country. Now, when criminals or uneducated people go to the polls while we decide to stay home, we are permitting evil people to take control. You might as well buy a crown and put it on the head of the worst gang member in our country. The reason we have evil in our government is that we have looked the other way or didn't do our research and voted for a person and not for our faith. To be lazy about your vote is to be unchristian and sinful. So how do we do this thing, okay? How do you vote your faith? The first thing is you begin with prayer. Ask God to show you the truth about the candidate and his platform. And I go on to explain how to do that. Two, take your feelings and emotions about whether or not you like the candidate out of the equation. Whether or not you like him doesn't matter at all. No one knows another person's true motives except possibly their spouse and sometimes not even then. And politicians never share what they're really about. You have to base your vote on their platform. So number three, go to the candidate's website and download the party's platform. Download his ideas or her ideas. Make a simple list of everything they are for and everything they are against and do this for both parties. Number four, use your Bible, a concordance, or even Google to look up Bible verses that pertain to the party's platform. And don't tell me this is too hard. This is part of your responsibility to keep America free. Number five, Use your Bible verse list and check it against the party's platform. If your Bible says do not kill and your party's platform supports abortion, you can't vote for them and still say you are voting your faith. Now, you may be a good person and a good Christian, but don't tell me you voted your faith if your vote doesn't reflect the Bible. And number six. Write out your columns on your list and keep it by the television. And when all those commercials or newscasts or debates or whatever come on, keep checking to make sure you know all you need to know to make the right uh, vote. After you feel you are truly informed about both sides, and this is number seven, spend as much time as you can praying for discernment about the candidates Ask God to lead you in your vote. Determine that even if it isn't pleasant, you will allow God to lead you to vote for the person who will please him more. 
That's a biggie chapter, folks. We've had this happen to America now. And one thing I was talking to somebody about, I said, I know you don't like that particular candidate, but I voted for that person because the other person wanted to kill babies up to the minute of birth. And I couldn't stomach that with my faith. And the candidate I voted for was doing everything he could to prevent the killing and murdering of babies. And just the other day, I heard that the party is that's for this in New York is has a bill before the legislature. They want to kill, allow the mother to kill her baby up to 27 days after it's born. Now, that is demonic. I'm sorry. That is demonic and evil. And I hope New York will knock that down and vote those people out of office. Now, day 28 is our president and government officials. Now, you may be asking why I spent two chapters on American government. The Christian body of Christ cannot survive as well or get as much done if we don't pray for and vote properly in our elections. Because evil people, that's what they do. They search out power every chance they get. And when they come into power, their first thing to do is destroy Christianity. Because we stand for goodness and peace and love. And they may tout that, but if you look at their policies, evil men do not follow, and women do not follow through with that. So it's important that as we pray for the army of God, we pray for our government and we vote properly. <clears throat> Exodus 22.3 I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When the army of God, or the body of Christ, looks to government to fulfill their needs, we've lost a large part of our dependence on God. When our country is in trouble, Christians talk a lot about prayer, but rarely see God changing anything. We ask him to help us, yet we go on fussing and yelling for the government to make the changes we need. When those needs aren't met to our satisfaction, then disappointment, depression, and frustration can steal our spiritual joy. We get angry, and we turn even more to government for help. We live in a country built on laws, and we can't ignore their impact on our families and our faith. It's important that we understand what we can expect from our government and clearly understand what we need to turn over to God. As I've said many times in this book, the more dedicated Christians we have serving in our government, the better. Their mission is not to force others to become Christians, but their challenge is to make sure that our Constitution will remain as strong as our Founding Fathers intended. 
Christians will have a clear focus on the difference between right and wrong and can fight for justice. They can sound the alarm when our religious freedoms are being attacked, and they can influence others for good. Our president can do that as well. If he is a Christian or at least understands that the country was based on Christian principles, he can alert us when people try to destroy those foundations. A great president will always think of his people first and will do all he can to preserve their freedoms. A president who will protect religious freedom will never be too embarrassed to bow his head in prayer. So, We must pray for our president every day. We must constantly ask God to be present in his life and in his decisions. And in order for this country to succeed, we need the protection and guidance of Almighty God. And our president needs to acknowledge the reality of God. That's what we're voting for. But before you get all mad and upset... You need a political science lesson, and I give it to you in this chapter. The president has eight powers that he can use, so he can't do everything. We think that once he gets in there, he'll be able to just either help our country succeed to the ultimate lengths or that he'll destroy our country. No, he only has eight powers. Now, they're pretty important powers, but they... All of them will not totally change the country. He can exercise a veto of legislation that comes from the houses. He can appoint federal positions. He can negotiate foreign treaties, appoint federal judges, grant pardons, pass an executive order. But the good thing about that, if it's terrible, next president comes in, he can cancel it. He can enforce federal laws, and he is the person who signs legislation into law. So he's a powerful guy, but he doesn't do everything. Now, there are three forms of government, the legislative branch or Congress, and it's made up of two houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives. They draft bills that describe a new law. So these are the people that are making the laws. Then there's uh, the president and his cabinet form the executive branch. He provides a check on the two houses. And if they can convince him that the bill they've written is worthy, then he can sign it into law. And then there's the judicial branch. The Senate has the job of advising consent, and they interview the president's nominees for federal judges or federal positions or whatever, and they can vote yes or no to who the president wants in there. But the president can't make laws. The Supreme Court can't make laws. Only Congress can write and pass laws. So it comes down to your state and your people and your representatives. And um, you need to vote your faith. Government wants you to believe that they can solve your problems. Politicians rant against your personal life as if they could reach into your home and change everything about you and your family. They think they can legislate you into happiness and into world peace, but that's just not true. 
The government can't legislate morality. They can't legislate purity. They can't legislate kindness or compassion. And they certainly do not have the ability to legislate your desire for good. All matters of the heart are addressed only in those moments when you face your God. So, nothing can capture the human heart like the power of Almighty God. And the army of God should use its talents to influence our government to give us the freedom we need to win souls for God. The more people we win for God, the more peace we will have in this country. And that's all we need from government. Just give us what we need to be able to win souls for Christ and this country will train, change. So, army of God, rise and move forward. Vote your faith. Choose leaders that will give us the freedom we need. Share the love of God and change the world. Dear Jesus, we live in a country with different faiths and with many who have no faith at all. Many of our religious freedoms have been muffled by those who want to live without any reference to you or to the spiritual world. America is allowing Satan to elevate men and women of evil. We ask you today to send God's soldiers to every person in authority to deliver the message of salvation. Please help us to use the influence of God's love to change the hearts of everyone in America. Fill all government offices with your Holy Spirit and interrupt every evil thought. Break down every group or idea that would be displeasing to you. Bring our country back to the Christian principles that began our journey. Thank you for this country. For those who do not appreciate what we have, please show them the goodness of America. Let that goodness shine like a brilliant light from every soldier in your army. May we all be instruments of your love and your peace. God, bless, please bless America. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're looking for more encouragement and guidance, claim your copy today of Praying for America and the Army of God by Debbie Jansen. It's available on Amazon.com or visit DebbieJansen.com. Get your copy today.